Father, Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for the fact that we can give you praise. We don't even deserve to be able to speak your name. But the fact that our, our humble and meager lives, Lord, can bring you praise. And we can lift up praise to you, the sovereign king of this universe, the one who has the oceans in the, in the hollows of his hand. Lord, what an unbelievable truth that is. That we can actually bring glory to your name. The only way for us to do that, Lord, is if we trust you, if we believe in you, if we have faith in you. God, we acknowledge you before men. God, we put our total trust in you. God, you receive glory from us. It's so incomprehensible. You receive glory by giving us salvation. You receive glory by, by rescuing us. God, I pray that we would be a, a saved people, that we would be a, a rescued people so that you might receive glory. Lord, as we begin to look at your word and we look at what you have said to us, I pray, Lord, that our minds and our hearts would be open for you to speak and for us to listen and for us to respond, us to put our faith in action, that we would to, to go and, and tell other people this truth. That we would be instruments used by you, Lord, so that, so that your kingdom can grow, so that your kingdom can, can expand. Lord, we know that you are in control of all of that. And you allow us to be part of that kingdom growth. And God, we don't want to miss that. We don't want to take that for granted, God. We want to be part of that. So Lord, use us. So often we come in here, Father, and we, we ask things of you. We ask you to, to heal our hearts, to heal our families. I believe it is so rare, Lord, that we come in here asking God, how can you use us? What can I do for your kingdom? Lord, I pray that we would do that today. I pray that our hearts would be moved in a different direction. God, instead of saying, Lord, what can you do for me? God, we would ask the question, how can I be your servant? So, Lord, Open our minds and our hearts to this truth right now as we look at what you have to say to us. And God, may we forever be changed by the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So you may have noticed the order of service is a little different this morning. Uh, Kayla is struggling a little bit with her voice. Uh, now that I have gotten better, Kayla's sick, so it's the way it goes sometimes. That's okay. Uh, we're still going to open God's word. We're still going to sing God's praises. Even if that means that we all have to sing and Kayla doesn't sing, it'll be okay. It really will be. Um, let me say this. Uh, my heart is really kind of broken uh, over the, the, the hurricane, Matthew, that just came through and the fact that it devastated Haiti. I mean, I, I am extremely broken over that. Some of you may know that we were supposed to go on a vision trip to Haiti uh, on last Monday, we were supposed to leave at 7.15 from the Atlanta airport and go to Haiti. Well, that didn't happen because there was a hurricane in Haiti. Our flight was canceled, and there was no way that we were getting in there, okay? Well, what I believe has happened is that we prayed, God, give us a vision for Haiti, and if that's a place we're supposed to serve. God, give us perfect clarity. If that, that's a place where we're supposed to, to go and to, to, to be a part of your kingdom growth and to be part of, of serving people in the name of Christ, please, God, give us a vision for that. And I don't know about you, but I don't believe in coincidences. 
God had already been moving our hearts toward Haiti. God had already been moving us in that direction for, for God to give us a vision if we're supposed to work there and serve there. And then on the very day that we're supposed to be in the heart of our mission trip, our vision trip to Haiti to see if we're supposed to be there, there's a hurricane that comes through. One of the nat worst natural disasters they've had since their 2010 earthquake there where, where people are still living in shanties, they're living in, in houses made out of tin wherever they can find it or tarps or whatever they can find. That's what they live in. And you may remember last Sunday I showed you a video of us, us singing in one of these schools and I said, I mean, this is one of the nicer buildings in Haiti and, and the walls are just tarps. That's all they are. There are no walls there. It's just tarps. And I told you that God had impressed upon my heart that I was supposed to go there at some point and build walls in Haiti, concrete block walls. I'm supposed to do that. I believe God has called me to do that. And I even told Kasha on Sunday night before this, the hurricane hit, I said, I have got to go to Haiti to build walls. If I am the only person that goes, that's fine, but I'm going to go and I'm going to build walls in Haiti. And then what did we see? We saw this hurricane come through. And you know what? We, we've been watching Facebook posts. You've probably seen my Facebook. I post after post after post after post of things that I've just seen, and it's broken my heart. And one of the things they said, one of the things they said is that, you know what was destroyed? Anything that didn't have walls. Anything that didn't, wasn't made of concrete, that's what was taken away. That's what was leveled. And we're going to show a video at the... At the the end of the service, but I, I just, I've been seeing thing after thing after thing about walls. God had impressed upon my heart back in 2013. We went there, and I looked around the church, and I, it didn't have walls. It just had tarps, and that's what their walls were. They were just tarps, and it, it bothered me deeply, and I didn't know why. And here it is some three years later, and God's called us to go to Haiti to at least get a vision if that's where God's calling us to go and serve and work. You know what's leveled? Everything without walls. And I'm like, I don't need a vision trip anymore. I'm just going to serve in Haiti, and I'm going to build walls there. Now, if some other people want to join me in that, you're welcome to. I've already got a plane ticket. That, that God had called us to get plane tickets. I've got a plane ticket. It's a credit with American Airlines right now for me to go to Haiti. I'm going to Haiti, and I'm going to build walls. If some of you want to come and join me, you're welcome to do that. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how it works itself out, but I'm going to Haiti and I'm going to build some walls. That's what's going to happen. You know, I, I'd kind of been bothered in my heart a little bit because we were supposed to go there on a vision trip. And I'm not really a vision trip guy, okay? That's not really my thing. I believe that once you go and you start serving and you start working alongside people and you start seeing their hearts and seeing how their lives are, then God gives you a vision through that. I'm not really big on the idea of just riding around and looking at stuff and, and then going home and eating a meal. I, I want to get in there and I want to work and I want to get my hands dirty and I want to sweat. And I want to have to have a tetanus shot because I've gotten stuck by rusty nails, all that stuff. That's, that's what I want to do. So what did God do? The very, I mean, God had already started moving our hearts toward Haiti, and then, and then we'd look, and there's a hurricane that comes right through Haiti and devastates 
that place. There's no question in my mind anymore. I don't have a question about whether or not I'm supposed to serve in Haiti. I asked God for a vision. I didn't ask him for a vision trip. I asked him for a vision. And God gave me a vision. He said, look, they're hurting. You you know what ministry is? You know what ministry is? It's seeing somebody's need and meeting their need. That's what ministry is. Are you called to ministry? Or is just Kenny called to ministry? Well, that depends. Do you see people in need or do you not see people in need? Because if you see people in need, then you're called to ministry. Does that mean you're supposed to stand up here and preach God's word? That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about ministry. I'm talking about the real stuff. That's what ministry is. Ministering to people's hearts. Some people do that in a hospital. Some people do that in Haiti. I'm talking about, man, just seeing somebody that's in need and you're doing everything you can to meet that need. What is God putting on your heart? What is God showing you? Is is there people in need that you can help, that you can do things in the name of Christ to meet their need? I tell you what, this past week, I have seen the need in Haiti all over again, and I'm going to meet that need. Over 900 people is the estimate on how many people have died in Haiti now. And I know this. I know, I know about the communications in Haiti. It's not very good. So more than likely, that number is way lower than what it actually is. And way lower than, than what it actually is. Because there's communities, there's people living in rural areas where nobody even goes to visit them and stuff. And, and there may be people laying in their houses dead right now and nobody knows about it. And you say, well, Kenny, how is building two houses with block walls, how's it going to make a difference? I don't know. But I know this. I know there's a little kid with five loaves and two fishes, and he went to Jesus and said, this is all I got? And Jesus fed over 5,000, more like 15,000 people with what the little boy brought to Jesus that day. So what am I going to do? I don't care if it's five loaves and two fishes. I'm going to go and I'm going to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. I'll say, God, you do what you'll have with it, but this is what I have to offer. Some people got kind of mad at me when I said we were going on a vision trip. They said, man, I want to go. I want to go with you to Haiti. I'll go and I'll serve right alongside of you and I'll do whatever God's called us to do. Well, you're going to have that chance. You're going to be able to go with us if you want to. I don't know what the age limits are going to be for the trip, but we'll have to figure that out. But I'm just saying, if you want to go, and, and, and God supplied you with the resources to be able to go, then you can be able to go with us. I'm going to serve. If anybody wants to go with me, you're welcome to go with me. You know, it, it kind of, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what's interesting is that, uh, that there's fewer people here today than what there normally is. Like, it's the, the, the crowd's a little bit smaller today than what it normally is. Well, God, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You would think that, 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 that since there's strength in numbers, that we need a bunch of people. We, we, need, we need a whole bunch of people to go and, and want to be part of this rebuilding in Haiti if God's called us to build walls. You would think that we would have more people in here than ever. But you know, it's not exactly the way God works. God uses a committed few way more than he uses a bunch of people that would rather sit on their hands. 
So I'm willing to say, God, since you know best, that doesn't change my, my, the message that you've laid on my heart. It doesn't change anything about just based on the number of people that are here today. Nothing's changed. If anything, it's stronger now. It's stronger now. I, I, didn't, I didn't need a vision trip, apparently. I needed a vision. And God's given me that vision. It was walls and it was Haiti, the same vision that he gave me three years ago. So that's what I'm going to do. And anybody that wants to join me is welcome to. I want to kind of share with you how this kind of plays into today's message. So go ahead and put up the, the screen, the background for today's message. It's weary. It's a, the, the message series that we've been in lately. Weary. So I got to thinking about this image that's up there. And this shows a bed, and it shows how it's all torn apart because somebody's been awake all night, and they've been stirring around, and they can't sleep, and all this kind of stuff, right? Well, I was bothered by this picture, but I still wanted to put it up here anyway. Because I tell you what, there's a lot of people in Haiti, their bed don't look like that. Their bed don't look like that. And we talk about how weary we are, and man... Oh, my mind and my heart is so torn up because I got it so bad. And we met a lady named Rose, didn't we? You know what Rose slept on? She slept on a wooden bench that was about as big as this keyboard right here in Haiti. So her grandkids could sleep inside the house. She slept outside on the bench. Her bed didn't look like that. You know why I think we're weary sometimes? Because we got the wrong darn perspective. We got the wrong idea of what it means to be weary, man. The people in Haiti right now, you realize there's a pastor someday, so, somewhere today, and he's praying that there'll be some pastor in the United States of America where they have tons of resources and tons of money that will be committed to going down there and helping them build a church because there's been leveled. Do you realize that pastor exists today in Haiti? And he's wondering, God, are you going to provide somebody, somewhere that's going to come and help us build some walls because ours are torn down? Lord Jesus, please, God, speak to somebody's heart. Put a vision in their heart for what we're supposed, for the fact that they're supposed to come and help us. And he's on his knees right now praying that. Man, our idea of what it means to be weary, I think sometimes that we got, I know we got stuff in our lives, all right? I know that, that life sucks a lot of times. I got that, okay? I got that. But I sometimes think that we don't have any, any idea what it really means to be weary. We think that that's weary. No, I'm talking about a lady sleeping on a bench outside, and she's in her 60s, and she's sleeping outside so her grandkids can sleep inside on the bed. That's weary. That's weary. Today, we're going to start in the book of Nehemiah. I don't know if this series will last two weeks, two months, two years. I don't know. But we're going to start reading in the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to keep going until God tells us to quit or God tells us to do something else. So today, we'll be in the book of Nehemiah, and I need to set that up for you just a little bit. Here's the situation in Nehemiah. 
God has made a covenant with the Jewish people. He's made a promise. You, you, you be my children and you let me be your God and, and things will be good. I'll, I've got a promised land that I'm going to take you to. It's going to be your place and you'll be blessed if you do what you're supposed to. If, I, if you serve me, if you, if you continue to praise and worship me and me alone and not some other gods, then, then I'm going to keep you and I'm going to bless you, okay? That's the promise that's made in the Old Testament. That's what we see. God also says, you worship other gods, you get away from me, you stop focusing on me, then I'm going to bring trials and I'm going to bring difficulties into your life and I'm going to cast you out of the place where I'd given you so that you'll recognize how much you need me. And, and what do we see? We see things are going great, man. A lot, of, a lot of the Old Testament, we see David's king and he... Man, he, he's, he set up Jerusalem. Jerusalem is like the main place where it's going to be the, the, the worship place of God. It's going to be the dwelling place of God. His son Solomon builds a temple. It's elaborate. It's beautiful. Man, this is the house of God we're talking about. It, it's where they make sacrifices to God. It's the very dwelling place of God, and it is Jerusalem. And, and, it, and, and David just makes it this huge thing, and it, it's recognized as, as the place of God. The city of Jerusalem. Well, things deteriorate after David goes away, and you got other kings that come after, and things start to split apart. They start leading, you know, the kings lead people astray. They're not worshiping the one true God. So, what does God allow to happen? He allows the Babylonians to come in and take them all away, take them into captivity. If you want to read about that, you read the book of Daniel, okay? How they were taken away and, and how they were forced to live under the Babylonian rule and all of that stuff. Well, the book of Jeremiah is all about Jeremiah warning people that's, that they're left there in Jerusalem. Man, if you don't start worshiping God, if you don't really get your act together, what's going to happen is they're, they're going to come back and they're not just going to take the rest of us into captivity. They're going to level the walls. They're going to destroy the temple. They're not just going to take us away. It's going to get worse. And what happens? They don't listen. They don't listen. The walls get leveled. temple gets leveled. It's all destroyed. Well, the book of Nehemiah and Ezra, which kind of go hand in hand, by the way. Ezra is about rebuilding the temple. Nehemiah is about rebuilding the walls. The reason I like Nehemiah is because what God has placed on my heart, which is to build walls... To build walls is exactly what's on Nehemiah's heart as he sees that Jerusalem has been leveled and, and the walls are destroyed. Now, I, I know that everybody's like, well, the walls are just a metaphor, right? Yeah, they are. And, and some people are like, well, I thought that <laughs> I thought we were, as Christians, we're supposed to be tearing down walls, not building walls, right? Well, yes, in a way, you are supposed to be building, uh, tearing down walls, not building walls. Tearing down walls between you and other people that don't know the true God of the universe. Yeah, you're supposed to be connecting ourselves with them. They're not supposed to be emotional walls that separate us. It's not supposed to be racism or, or bigotry or any of that kind of stuff that separate us from other people. It's supposed to be reaching out, reaching over walls to reach those people. But there is a symbolism in the walls of Jerusalem and saying, this is God's promise. This is what God has said. If, if we follow him, 
that, that, that he'll protect us, that we are God's people, and God's going to use us to one day bring a Messiah into this world. And, and it was like a symbol, if you will. It, it was a symbol of God's promise to protect them and keep them, and they're torn down. I want you to imagine for just a second, um, we, we like this building, and we like being able to meet in here, and we like the temperature sometimes, even though it's really cold in here, but uh, a lot of times we just we like the fact that we have a building to meet in, the fact that we can put up all black, and people can talk about us and all that stuff. You must be Satan worshipers, because it's all black in here, and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff, right? So, uh, I know, right? I really think that's funny. So, anyway, um, so imagine for a second... If these walls were torn down over here or, or over there, I, I think we would, we'd be like, man, we got to get after this. Man, we can't have our walls being torn down in here. This is our place to meet. This is our place of worship. I ain't okay with our, our building being torn up. Now, does that mean we wouldn't worship because our walls are torn down? No, we're going to meet out in the parking lot, and that's going to be fine. I don't care. But I'm just saying, like, there's a symbolism associated with, with this place, you know? I know churches that, that, man, they get destroyed by a tornado or they get the roof torn off by a tornado. And the very next day, man, they had people, like, they, they, they're trying to struggle to get pictures in for the insurance company because people are already ready to start rebuilding the roofs and, and rebuild the structure because they just don't like the idea of this place of worship being torn down. They don't like that picture. I think we'd be the same way. Man, I'd be fighting people off. Like, we got to take some pictures for the insurance before y'all start rebuilding this place, okay? And I know some guys in here that would push me down and say, no, we're going to start working. Uh, but, but think about the symbolism associated with this place, man. Think about the symbolism associated with the walls of Jerusalem. This is God's holy city, and the walls are torn down. Well, Nehemiah, he gets word about the walls being torn down. And it bothers him. It bothers him. And I think the people of Israel, they just kind of gotten used to it. And some people read the book of Nehemiah as kind of like, because he was in leadership, they kind of look at it as, as like a message about leadership and, and for people that are in leadership roles. But I, I believe that this is a message for anybody with a vision of what God wants to do. I, I believe this is... A, a, a message for, for people that have a burden on their heart about something God's called them to do. As opposed to being complacent and saying, ah, the walls are torn down, so what? Let's look at what Nehemiah has to say. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. In late autumn in the month of Kizaph, in the twelfth year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity, about how things were going in Jerusalem. So here, what had happened in the Babylonian Empire is after they had taken the Jews into captivity... Um, they, as, as politics go, uh, the Babylonians fell out of, out of reign, and, and, and now uh, they're, they're able to go back. They're starting to filter back into Jerusalem. They're, they're starting to be able to go back, and, and some of these guys are going back, and they're, well, what, what, what's going on back in Jerusalem? What's happening back there, guys? 
And Nehemiah is getting word back from what's going on in Jerusalem. And here we, we see what they said. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The walls are torn down and the gates have been burned, man. It's not good back there. Now, some people hear that and they go, eh. Some people look at the news and they see people in Haiti that, that are living on the streets and, and the few possessions that they own that total up to maybe $50. They go, eh, too bad for them. That, that it's too bad that, that they, they don't have anything. You know, I think that we have this, because we live in the country that we live in and we have things made so well for us that, that we forget, like, I there are people that I was talking to the other day, and I was like, they were like, well, if, if they know a hurricane's coming in three days, why don't they just leave? Why don't they just get out of the way of the hurricane, go to the other side of Haiti so that they can just hang out there, and then they can come back? Well, that means that you don't have any concept of what it's like in Haiti. That's what that means. Because when I was there... You saw people that they don't have a means of transportation. They can't get in, in their Land Rover and drive down the road. They don't have a car. They don't have a moped. They don't have a bicycle. A lot of them have to catch rides and, and pay money on, on the back of a truck. Or I mean, you would see people in Haiti riding like three and four people to a moped because that's the only mode of transportation they had. These are not people that just pack up their stuff in their SUV and leave. The amount of stuff that they have they can hold in their hands. And the reason they live where they live is because they have a plot of land where they can grow some crops so they can live and they can sustain life there. It's not like they can just pack that up and go somewhere. We have this whole misconception. I mean, because we could pack up and drive from Florida to South Carolina or to, to Tennessee. We could do that. These people don't have that ability. They can't lock the door of their house and leave it. Because people would just take the tin that they used to compose their house and they'd use it on their house. They know a uh, hurricane's coming in three days. They can't do anything about it. The best they can do is maybe go up in the hills not too far from their house and hope they don't drown. Hope the wind and, and debris doesn't kill them. They can't go anywhere. There's no place for them to go. I think that we have such a misconception in this world because we have it so easy. We don't even know what weary is like. We don't even know what it's like to go, man, I hope my kids don't die today. I hope that when this hurricane comes through, that, that, that even if it takes all of our stuff away and our little shack is blown to the ground, I hope that we don't all die. And we think, man, we got it so tough. Because our grades at school are not going the way we want it to. Or because our job, man, our boss, he's really mean. Oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. I think that some, the only thing, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, I was like, sometimes somebody that struggles with depression, okay, and, and I was talking to him and he's, he's a 
devout Christ follower, okay? He is, I mean, like, if I want somebody to pray, I'm going to get him to pray, all right? And none of you guys know this guy, but anyway, so he, was, he said, I don't know why, but sometimes I just suffer with deep, deep depression. And I told him, I said, well, you're in good company because I do too. I do too. And he said, really? I said, yeah. I said, you know who else suffered with depression? Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers in all of history. He, he suffered with deep, deep depression. His wife was an invalid for, for most of his married life. He suffered with depression. And I said, look, man, I don't have the answer for you because I really don't know. The only thing that I know that helps me when I'm in that deep, dark place is to focus on somebody else and love on somebody else and care for somebody else. And it gives me a mindset and a heart change. And I go, man, I'm going to focus on somebody else because there's a lot of people that got a lot of other things going on in their life. And I can minister to them and I can be there for them. And through that, God restores my heart because it changes my perspective. One of the things that you can do if you're weary is have a change of perspective. And maybe, just maybe, through us reaching out to Haiti in love and maybe going down there and building some walls, maybe, maybe what it will do is it will strengthen us. Maybe, just maybe, what it will do is it will, it will make us focus more on what is more important in this life Take some of the focus away from all the little things that we think we got going on and help us to give us a more kingdom perspective on this life. See, the people came to Nehemiah and they said, things aren't going well. The, the walls are torn down. The gates are burned. And some people would say that and they wouldn't care. But real Christ followers, they care. Real Christ followers care. So what does Nehemiah do? So look at what he does. This is Nehemiah writing this, right? So he says, when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. I sat down and I wept. When is the last time you wept for somebody else? Or you wept for something that God had laid on your heart? It wasn't necessarily about you. When is the last time you stopped for a second and said, this bothers me. This bothers me deeply. And it's got nothing to do with me. But it has everything to do with God and how God's kingdom is reflected. I believe that if we had walls torn down in here, that I believe there would be people that would be upset by that. I believe people would be stirred up in their heart. And there may be some people that weep and they cry. Man, I pray that we wouldn't be a, a group of people that only weep because of ourselves and our own situations, that we would weep and we would cry about the situations of other people and how it reflects on the kingdom of God. Nehemiah hears about this, and he's not crying because of where he lives, because where he lives, things are good, and he's got it pretty good, which we'll see in a minute, but he's crying because of how it reflects on God. And God's people. And he sat down and he wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. 
I mourned, fasted, and prayed. I want to say something real quick about fasting. About fasting. Some people are like, well, um, I'll fast from everything but Christian music, or I'll fast from my cell phone, or I'll fast from Facebook, and all that kind of stuff. That's fine, okay? But I want you to understand the concept of fasting. So few people today actually fast from food. That's really sad. But I really believe that that God calls us to fast, including fasting from food. But let me say this. Fasting is about seeking God and and being so desperate to, to hear from God that you don't even care about eating, that you don't care about anything else. God, I just want to focus on you. Nothing else matters. And that's what happens in Nehemiah right there. That's what happens in his heart. He just, he fasts and he mourns and then he prays. He prays to the God of heaven. We're going to listen to what he prays right here. Oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commandments. Listen to my prayer. To those who, who, who follow God and, and follow his covenant and, and love God and keep his commandments. You promise. You promise, God, that you'll hear us when we cry out to you. He says, look down and see me praying night and day for your people of Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly, not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you you gave us through your servant Moses. Notice he doesn't shuck responsibility and say, well, somebody else did this, and that's the reason the walls are torn down. He says, no, I did this. I did this. What we need to understand as people, do you know why death and destruction happens in this world? It's the result of us living in a fallen creation. Why do we live in a fallen creation? Because of sin. Because of sin. The same sin that, 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 that caused all that to happen is the same sin that we commit, commit every single day. And it should drive us to hate that sin. It should drive us to, to have a barrier against that sin. And Nehemiah doesn't say, well, it's somebody else's sin. It's what they did. No, he said, it's what I did. I'm part of this family. And when part of this family sins, it's part of me. We're all responsible, is what Nehemiah says. Please remember, listen to what he prays. He prays to God. And some people say, well, he's reminding God of God's covenant. (laughs) And I I believe in praying scripture. I absolutely believe in that. But I don't believe it's for me to remind God of what his scripture says. I'm pretty sure he knows. I'm pretty sure it's for me and not for him. Listen to what he says. He says, please remember what you have told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. No matter what we've done in the past, if we we turn towards you and we obey your commandments, that that you're going to remember that. And you're going to restore us. It says in verse 10, the people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. 
Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put into his heart and be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. In those days, I was a king's cupbearer. Look what he says. Look what Nehemiah says. He doesn't say, he doesn't say, Lord, I pray that you will restore the walls. Lord, I pray that you will fix this and make it right. Let me ask you this. If these walls were torn down, is that what you would do? If, if this back wall was completely destroyed, you'd say, you'd say, well, what we need to do, Kenny, I've got an idea. What we need to do is we need to circle up around this, this place and we need to hold hands and we need to pray, God, fix these walls. Make them new again, Lord. Rebuild them and strengthen them stronger than they have ever been. Is that what you would say? Or would you say, God, use me to fix these walls. Put in my heart something that will, will be a strong desire that I won't quit and I won't stop until these walls are built. See, there's a lot of people praying like that today. God, help those people in Haiti. Help those poor people in Haiti. There, there are people down there, they've lost brothers and they've lost sisters and all their stuff's been wiped out and it's been washed away by the sea. God, please just be there for those people and, and give them peace in their heart. There are people that are praying like that. There are a whole lot of people that are praying like that. There are a whole lot of churches today that are praying like that. I don't want to be like that. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be like that. I want to pray that God will put something, such a stirring in my heart that I can't sleep at night till I go build walls down in Haiti. That I can't sleep at night until I go help some grandmother pick up the few items that she has that are clothes for her grandchildren. I, I pray that God will do that in my heart because he calls himself a servant of God. A servant of God. You know what that means? It means he wants to serve. So many bystanders that call themselves Christian. I'm like, really? Is that what you are? It doesn't put any stirring in your heart when you see people's lives torn apart. You don't give a rip and you say, God, fix it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. Some people say, well, Kenny, well, maybe this is for you. Maybe this is for you to do. Maybe you're supposed to go build. Well, that's fine. I'm good with that, and I'll go build it myself. I know that God has me standing up here for a reason. God placed me here to share this with you. It's not an accident. It's not an accident that I'm standing up here and God has placed this on my heart. It's not an accident that we were supposed to go on a vision trip the same day that Haiti was being devastated by a Category 4 hurricane. It's not an accident. It's not an accident. 
So what's the challenge for you today? Because I, I had this whole thing like, are we supposed to take up Band-Aids and water and food and all this kind of stuff? Is that what we're supposed to do? God, is that what we're supposed to do today? Am I supposed to put a list out there and say, this is the stuff we need to start collecting for Haiti? Because missions of, of hope for Haiti, they, they just put together a barge and they sent food and water and all this stuff down there. Is that, God, is that what we're supposed to do? And then I started thinking about Nehemiah and the first thing he did. The first thing Nehemiah did was pray to God, but he didn't pray that God would fix it. He prayed that God would put something in his heart so that he would be a part of fixing it. So today, the, the, the invitation is this. It ain't for you. The invitation is not for you today. We have had almost two years worth of services in this place. And people come in here, man, I just need to get filled up. I need to get ready to face this week. Well, today I want you to pray that God will empty you and destroy your heart and put a desire in your heart to reach out to somebody that ain't you. How about we pray that? I wonder how many people will respond to that. I wonder how many people will say, God, I want you to put something in my heart that is so strong that I cannot deny that it's you. And I want it to make me sick at night until I respond to you. Will you respond to that? Will you respond to that? I'm going to show you a quick video. And uh, the band's going to make their way up here. And I'm going to pray. And then we'll have a time for you to respond to that. Connie, if you'll play the video, please. I don't know how one place can absorb so many disasters one after the other. The earthquake in 2010, cholera, not to mention multiple storms and just uh, devastation. And then uh, this on top of everything else, it's, it's unbelievable. La mer a été tellement venue à force, l'hypothèse tout ça, mon Dieu, de gagner un caillou, aller, vente tellement fort, il y a presque tout caillou, tout qui gagne dans la zone. So the next few days, we're really we're just going to be here amongst the people, and we're going to make as accurate an assessment as we can of the needs. You know, we want to make sure that we provide what is most essential. We're bringing a tarp so that we can cover some of these uh, homes that are exposed to the elements, and blankets for the people, and uh, Sawyer water filters so that we can provide clean water and food to the people that have been victimized by this terrible storm. <laughs> Parce que depuis le cyclone de la fin de passer, nous n'avons jamais vu l'autre monde qui vient là. Nous allons prier bon Dieu pour Samaritain. Pour tout ce qui est dans nous-mêmes, nous sommes dans la zone là. Please, do not forget the people of Haiti. Man, we need your help, we need your prayers, and we need your financial support. So remember the people here and, and pray for them. Father. Our prayer, God, it is for the hearts of people of Haiti. God, it is that you would restore their hearts. It is that you will give them hope. But Lord, our prayer is beyond that. Our prayer is that you would use us as your humble servants. God, for us to be a light in this world, for us to go and not to stay, our prayer is that you would move our hearts deeply for people that are hurting. God, our prayer is that we would be used. 
that we would not just sit idly by and wait for somebody else to do something, but God, we would be people that would go and we would do. Thank you, Lord, for not relent, not, not, not letting up on my heart that you continue to impress upon my heart that we're supposed to do something. God, there's so many that call themselves Christian and they're doing nothing. And I, I don't want to be like that, Father. I don't want to be like that. God, there are people with a need, and I pray that you would use us as, as your servants, God, to meet that need. In this, this place that we live, we've got it so easy, Lord. We've got everything that we need. They don't even have clean water to drink. God, they don't have a house to live in. God, there are children there without parents. Lord, I pray that you would shift our focus from us to somebody else. Lord, we may feel weary, but Lord, give us perspective on what that really means. Lord, I pray. I pray, God, that you would not go easy on us. Lord, but you would break our hearts. And you would receive glory from us responding to you as your servants. Lord, this is your time. We respond to you in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. Will everyone please stand?